All right, church family, turn in your Bibles. Uh, 2 Peter, 2 Peter 1, 3, 2 Peter 1, 3. And while you turn there, uh, just for, uh, just because I'm up here, so that gives me the right to talk a little bit of smack. Uh, next week, uh, for any of you uh, young teenagers who think you got something uh, on us, uh, on the staff of the football game, uh, just know this, is that uh, they, they, they call me lightning uh, because I'm that fast. And, I, and, and I'll show you, just to give you a preview, all right, I'm going to run all the way around uh, the, uh, the, the, the sanctuary, and I'm going to come right back here faster than you've ever seen. You ready? One, two, three. You want me to do it again? <laughs> See, I'm that fast. I'm that fast. You Show up on that field if you dare. I got something for you. Um, but uh, <laughs> seriously, if you go back and watch the tape and, and you go really, really slow-mo, you'll, you might catch me running. I'm that fast. Um, I really want to invite the church uh, family to come out in, even if you don't have teenagers uh, in Echo. Uh, it's not about that. It's just about us doing something together and having fun, and I uh, would love to have you come out. So, so let's get started. So Second uh, Peter 1, 3, and uh, let me read it, and then we'll go from there. So it says this, and this is uh, uh, Peter talking. He said, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the full knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. No one starts off their Christian life wanting to be bad at it. <laughs> they don't. Just as way of introduction, I'm sure, especially if you're here and you would call yourself a Christ follower, uh, there, there came a day, and, and we sang about this, uh, our first song today, just, oh, happy day, where we realized that Jesus Christ washed away my sins. Uh, I, can, I can walk with him. He's, he's going to be my personal savior. That's incredible. And, and, and no one in that moment in time really says to themselves, and my response to that is, I'm going to be really bad. No one says that. No one says, you know what, God, thank you so much. Let me start this walk with you, but just let you know, I'm going to be terrible. My goal in life is to hang the sign around me that says, hey, I'm a terrible Christian, right? I'm going to be bad. I'm going to, I'm going to break all my promises. Uh, pretty much every commitment I make to you uh, is going to be broken. I'm going to be mean, right? That's my special goal because uh, the world loves mean Christians, right? Uh, and, uh, and I'm just going to do that. that that's, that's how I roll these days. Uh, no one sets that as their goal. And even though along the way, some of us may maybe experience some disappointments or disillusionments or frustrations, in our heart of hearts, don't we want to do this Christian thing right? Yes, no one's good other than God. No one's righteous other than Jesus Christ. But if I were to ask you, honestly, what do you want to accomplish in your Christian life? I, I don't believe that any of you would say, well, I just want to be the worst. On a scale of zero through 10, put me in the negative numbers. Nobody says that, right? But we have to understand, though, is that as we follow Christ, we need to understand how to do it. This verse gives us some incredible promises about both life and godliness. And here's what's important is that some of you, depending on what translation that you just read that from, some translations actually put those two things together and say, he's given you everything you need for a godly life. 
as if that's one thing. But I actually went back into the original text and looked and looked uh, 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 look it up. I did just to see what was there. And no, there, there's two separate things. That's not one thing. That verse talks about two separate things, both life and godliness. And if we were to sit around and have an honest conversation with ourselves about the things that we would love to see accomplished in our Christian walk, it would probably follow under those two categories. As a Christ follower, I want to know what it's like to live life to the full. That's what I want. And also too, I really want to walk with my God uprightly. I want to have a godliness inside of me that when people see, no, it's not about me and no, I'm not perfect. I'll never measure up to the standard that is Jesus Christ and it's not about that. But you know what? Yes, there, there will be some godliness in my life. Those two categories are typically everything what people want out of their Christian life. A subheading under that that people will say, well, outside of those two things, yeah, I also want to be empowered to do the work of the ministry. That comes from the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But what this is talking about, life and godliness, everything we need to accomplish those two things is already given to us. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take these two verses, I'm sorry, this one verse, and we're going to realize what God gave to us. And here's how we're going to go about it. I'm a big believer, and uh, I think sometimes, and uh, some of you have already heard this, but I think sometimes one of the easiest things to do is to read God's Word like it's a novel, right? And yes, it's good to read that sometimes, but if we read it like a novel where we just, you know, paint broad strokes and everything else, what happens is there are times that we fail to realize the truth that comes through some of the very best passages. And we can skip over things that, that just, that God's just, you know, screaming at us, look at this, but because we're just so used to browsing through something like we would a newspaper maybe. And so what we're going to do, and what I want to do is, is, is take this verse and I want to break it down and find out what it means for us. Because again, going back to the things that I'm sure every Christian wants to accomplish, life and godliness, those things are offered to us every day. So for the next few moments, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, speak to us about what it means to allow God to work in us life and godliness and how he does it. Let's pray and then we'll start. Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. I just ask today that you would speak through me, Father. Help this come to life. And I pray, God, that people would leave encouraged today, not because of what you will do, but because of what you've already done. Thank you for that in your name. Amen. The first word that we have to look at when we look at this verse is the, is the word everything. Because he says everything pertaining to life and godliness. Everything we need. That word everything means that he's, God is holding nothing back. When it comes to how God treats us, he doesn't just give us just a little bit and say, hey, if you do better, then I'll give you more. No, 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 he gives us everything up front. He doesn't play favorites. He doesn't have some sort of maybe a merit system to where, you know, you jump through these hoops and now I'll give you a little bit more life and godliness. He doesn't do that. 
You don't have to wait. It's not out of chance, fate, or our good deeds. He gives us everything up front to accomplish the two big things that we really want out of our Christian walk and says, I'm all in. Not that God would ever bet because that's not him, obviously. But if he did, he would take every chip of what he has on the first hand and put it all in and say, this is me right now. I'm not holding anything back. I'm gonna give you everything you need. And see, there are times in mine and your life that we experience some of those moments where we are required to be all in. July 30th, 2005, I looked at my bride on our wedding day. And I told her, you and no one else. At that moment, I was all in. I couldn't go to her and say, hey, you, but you know, maybe in about six months, you know, if some other girl comes about, you mind if I go on a date with her? I wouldn't fly. That wouldn't work. She'd punch me hard. <laughs> she would. See, I was all in with her. There was no going back. Everything that I had, I gave to her that day. See, another moment like that in my life is at the birth of my kids. When I saw Madison for the first time, when I saw Davis for the first time, I looked at them. And I just said, I'm all in. I don't care if you grow up and don't appreciate me. I don't care if you think this or that about me or whatever. I'm looking at you, you're my child, and everything that I have for the rest of my life is yours. Because I love you. I'm not gonna hold anything back from you. Could it be maybe that some of us have a hard time believing that God would treat us that way? Because maybe some of the people who were supposed to be all in with us backed out? Maybe it's, maybe that hurts and maybe the fact that you see what happened in the earthly realm and you say, how could a God ever do that? Surely he would hold something back from me like someone else would or someone else did. The beautiful thing about this verse, and we could even stop right here, is that God's all in. On your good days, your bad days, your days when you feel worthy, the days when you don't feel worthy, the days where you keep your commitments, the days where you don't keep your commitments, the days when you're holy, the days when you're not, on your good hair days, on your bad hair days, uh, on the days when you look good, the days when you don't, when you're friendly, when you're not, God's sitting there going, I'm all in. And he's all in from the nanosecond you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, some of you may ask, that's great, but Drew, do you have another verse that could back it up? Absolutely. Because we've been going over this verse actually in my young adult Sunday school class. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14 tells us that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to list the spiritual blessings. Unconditional acceptance a higher perspective on our life, the unfailing love of a father, companionship, hope for a brighter future, purpose, strength, and a personal God. And that's just one little verse. I literally looked up promises of God last night as I was, as I was putting the final touches on this message, and there are hundreds of verses of God saying, I'm just all in. Everything. But you also may say, 
Uh, some of you may say as well is that, uh, um, uh, okay, God, you're all in, and I get that, but what about, what about some phrases I hear when, 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 I, when I hear people and Christians say, you know, I want more of God. And, and at times, I'll be honest, we, we even sing that. We'll sit there and say things like, I, I want more of you. And I'm not trying to ruin a song for anybody, I'm not. Because I totally understand the context that this song is brought in because what it's saying is really, I, I, I want to walk closer with you, I get that. But we sing a song right now that's very popular called Set a Fire in My Soul. And it goes, I want more of you, God. I want more of you, God. And then there's even a part of the bridge that goes, I want more, I want more, I want more, I want more. And we're singing that to God and he's going, what? I can't do anything else. It is unscriptural for us to sing or say, I want more of you because God gave us everything up front. Why are we singing lies to God? And again, I understand the context of it. The context of that song and when we say that is, I want a closer walk with you. And that is scriptural. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. There is also precedence for being filled and wanting more of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as we pour ourselves out on others, we get filled up. But to say that we need something, anything more than what God has already given us for life and godliness, it's not true. He cannot do anything more. Some of you may say, but okay, I get that, Drew, but why am I not experiencing that in my life? If that truth is true, why, do, why am I not living life to the full? And why am I struggling to walk uprightly with my God? We're gonna get to that in a second. I'm gonna answer that question. But for now, know this, God's all in. The next thing, the next word that I see in this phrase is, says everything, but the next word is need says everything we need for life and godliness. But it's not just the fact that he gave us everything. He gave us everything that we need to experience that life and godliness that we want. Where we get caught up sometimes is we actually confuse our needs and our wants. And those kind of get jumbled up and then we have maybe not good expectations of God. But the truth is, is that God promises us that everything we need to experience life and everything we need to experience godliness that we need is given to us. Again, where we get confused sometimes is when things that we want and things that we need do not line up and then we go, God, I, I, I thought, I want this. And he's going, I'm giving you things you need. I'm kind of going through this in my own personal life. I'll just be real with you, right? Uh, uh, my, my, uh, uh, in the natural, my, uh, uh, my two kids, Madison and Davis, uh, for whatever reason, and uh, well, not for whatever reason, but I know why, but it's because so the last two summers, we've been able to do trips to Disney World. That's just been our thing, summer vacation, had a good time. You know, we go and write all this stuff and hang out with the mouse and everything else. And it's been great, right? Only thing is, is that uh, this year they're bringing it up all the time, but we can't go because we're building a house. 
And they do not understand the concept of, hey, I'm so sorry, Madison. I know you want to talk about Disney right now, and I know you want to know when we can go, but baby, we're building a house, right? So we're probably not going to be able to go this year. But daddy, I really want to go. I want to go to the Bibbidi Bobbidi Boutique, and I want to ride, I want to ride this ride. It's a small world. That's going to be the best thing. Let's talk about it. Baby, I, I, I love you. I'm so sorry, but, you know, uh, we're, we're building a house. We're not going to be able to go this year, Right? But daddy, what's the first ride you want to ride at Disney World? Whatever ride will get you to stop talking about Disney World, that's what ride I want to ride. <laughs> and they bring it up and Davis will bring it up every single time. And, and I'm like, no. And I'm like, but kids, look, we're about to, I'm building you what you need. Because you need a home. You need a room. We need to stop moving every about a year and a half. It'd be great. Yay. I know you don't help me move. Every time we move, but we need it. It's going to be wonderful. And, then, and, and she'll look at me for about two seconds, and then obviously she's got that look on her face, does not compute. And then she'll go, Daddy, after we move into the house, can we go to Disney World? <laughs> like, kid, if you bring up Disney World one more time. <laughs> but it's so funny. We see that because the thing that I'm trying to tell my baby girl and my young little boy is that I know you want to do that, but I'm trying to get you what you need. And they're, they're just not following. But we do the same thing. We'll sit there and we'll complain to God about the things that we want and he'll give us the things that we need. When it comes to life, in some of these examples, it's just gonna be a little bit hit or miss everywhere. When it comes to life, we want at times, God, to make our lives easy. Isn't that what we want sometimes? God, just make my life easy. If it's easy, I'd smile more, I'd live more, be great. To where we never have any problems, but what we need is what he gave us, which is the promised Holy Spirit to comfort us and walk through us through all stages of life. According to John 14, 26. That's what we need whether we have good times, down times, or whatever, we've got somebody, a personal God that walks with us. We want God to act as some kind of cosmic gumball machine where we get what we want when we want it. But what we need and what he gave us was the opportunity to lose our lives in him in order to find it. That's what he told his disciples in Matthew 10, 39. He said, anybody who loses their life for my sake, you're gonna find it. Because maybe he's got bigger plans and dreams for us than what we would want for ourselves. We want God to act on our own timing. What we need and what God gave us is a God who will withhold no good thing for us, uh, from us, according to Psalms 84.11, but will not give us anything until we are ready for it. Because Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, for everything there's a season. He gives us what we need. But how about when it comes to godliness? We want God to take away the pull of sin. That thing that we're struggling with, have you ever prayed this prayer? God, if it just, if I just didn't, if it just didn't pull to me, I'd be so much better I could serve you more. He didn't give us that. What he gave us and what we needed was he took away the power of sin, according to Romans 6.22. See, God never promised that he would take away the pull of sin, but he will take away the power. He gave you the power to say no. 
despite what your feelings think. We want God to instantly mature us. But what he gives us and what he offers, according to Romans 12, 1 through 2, is a process to renew our minds. As a young Christian, I, I wrestled with this because I, I was so immature. Not that I've arrived. I used to beg God, God, if there's any some way you could just zap me to where I'm not struggling with these things. He never did it. I never came to an altar and God just poof. Hey, look at the nice brand new Drew who's more mature. He allowed me to work through processes. He allowed me to struggle a little bit. But through it all, I learned to hold on to him. We want our sins to never have any consequences. That's what we want. What we needed, and at times what some of us got, is the loving God who sometimes gives our, who sometimes allows us to experience the consequences of our sins so we will learn our lesson. It's the same principle that if a child were to touch a hot stove and get burned, that child's never going to touch that hot stove again because of the consequences of it. And some of us, we don't want to experience the consequences of sin, but God will allow us to because how in the world are we ever going to learn? And that's hard. That's a tough lesson. That's not easy when we learn the consequences of our sin. And God doesn't take delight in that. But some of us, we get mad at God when he, when he makes us suffer the consequences of our own choices. We get mad at him. He's going, but if I don't do this, if I don't allow this, how are you going to learn? You're going to continue to repeat it over and over and over again. We want to never face trials or temptations. But what we need and what we got was the promise that our trial and temptations will make us stronger. James 1, 2 through 4 says this. It says, dear brothers and sisters, don't consider it strange when you face trials of many, uh, many types. For you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance run its course. Why? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. That's our God. He doesn't give us what we want, but he gives us what we need for life and godliness, and we always end up better for it. We always end up with a closer walk with him. The next thing in the verse says that everything you need for what? For life. Everything you need for life. Why is it that Christianity, sometimes, not all the time, we are known more for what we are against than what we're for? It breaks my heart to see people, to see people holding up a standard, but doing it in such a way it's just mean spirited. Now, Drew, are you saying that that means that the standard's got to go away? Absolutely not. Everything that the Bible says is true, I believe. Everything it tells me that I should not do, I will not do. Everything it says that I should be doing, I will do. I refuse to change what the Word of God says. But the problem is when you have people who raise up the standard, but there's no life behind it. Because every time God tells us no to something, he's got a promise on the back end to give us life. And the problem is that some people are tasting the fruit of what our life should be like as a Christian and we're standing on the standards and there's, there's no fruit. It's rotten fruit because there's no life to it. I go back 
to Galatians 5, 22 through 23. And the three first attributes of that, it talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And it's saying that as you walk closely with God, here are some of the things that should be natural fruit that other people can see in your life and say, wow, look at that. The three that pertain to life, it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. Those are three things that as we walk with God and we experience love, joy, and peace, those are the keys to life. Do you realize that if in every single circumstance that we are able to experience love, joy, and peace, that's living. That is incredible. But we run into people and we run into a society that tells you in order to experience life, if you're really gonna experience life, there's a couple, uh, couple key things that you have to do. You've got to be in the right place. You've got to travel to the right places. You've got to be with the right people if you're gonna live life. You've got to own the right things, work in the right job, possess the right kind of status, or even look a certain way that if you're going to experience life, if people are going to look at you and say, wow, that's per that person is living, those are things that you have to experience. You've got to have them because that's what living really is. The, the thing that I love about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, is that those are not conditional to what's going on in my life. Because at any point, those things that we think that we want to possess could turn on us. If you have to be, if, if in order for you to live life, you've got to travel to the right places, okay? What happens if you get sick or you're disabled and you can't travel? If you've got to be with the right people, what if those people don't want to be with you? Or worse yet, what if you're wrong about who the right people are? If in order for you to live, you've got to own the right things, what happens if you lose your job and don't have money? If in order for you to live, you've got to work in the right job, what if you lack a certain skill or education to do it? And you can't get that job. What if in order to live, what if in order to live, uh, you have to possess the right kind of status? Right? But what if you possess the wrong status? And if you have to look a certain way, what if you don't have the look? I settled in my heart a long time ago, I don't have the look. And I'm okay with that. Because my wife thinks I have the look. <laughs> you see what we do though? We go around chasing rabbits that just won't, won't fulfill anything. The truth is, is that love, joy, and peace you can experience in your life no matter what's going on. I've run into some people who really don't have a whole lot of money, but they have joy in their life. Wow, they're rich. I've run into people who don't have the right look and don't hang around the right people, but they've got peace in their life. Man. See, God offers that to us. He made an offer all the things that we want, but the things that he offers to us, they can happen no matter what our circumstance in life is. But what about godliness? 
we go back to godliness and everything else, it says, uh, which is the second word, God's given us everything we need for godliness too. And going back to the fruit of the Spirit, forbearance, which means restraint, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Aren't those the things that we want in our life? And as Christians, it is our it is God's will that we walk uprightly with him. We are supposed to uphold a standard. One of my frustrations at times with, with some of those Christian circles that I see is that at times we're willing to compromise standards. No, we're supposed to uphold standards. We're supposed to do it in a way where people love. We're supposed to respect people and love them who maybe don't agree with our standards, but we are supposed to have standards. God's will for our lives is that we can walk uprightly with him, that we don't have to be controlled by addictions, by bad patterns, the past, poor thoughts or sin. It doesn't mean that we'll always be perfect. And if the goal is to be perfect, that's not what I'm saying. That's a whole different thing. But what it does mean is that the consistent theme of our life is that we can walk uprightly with our God. Everything we need for both life and godliness is ours. There's no reason why any of you should walk out of here tied down to something. There's no reason why any of you should walk out of here still dealing with that thing. There's no reason why any of you should walk out of here with your head held down going, I just can't do it. Because either you're lying or God's word is lying. It's up to you to choose. Ben, can I get you to come up, please? So, how do we experience this? This is what I've been waiting all day to tell you. Because I'm sure some of you are going, Drew, that sounds great. God's given me everything I need for life and godliness. Woo, yes. But why am I not experiencing that in my life? And how do I get there? This is something that I've wrestled with my entire life, and I probably still will wrestle with what it means, but I realized something, and God really opened up a scripture to me. The thing I love about the Bible is that two different authors can write, and they'll both write scriptures that will just sync up together, just like a chord, just harmonize with one another. Second Peter, the scripture says, the knowledge of how we do this, it says, life and godliness according to the knowledge of him. It says, according to the knowledge of him, the person's Jesus Christ. Here's another verse that has the phrase knowledge of him in it. And I think it's relevant for us today. It's found in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 10. This is the apostle Paul talking now. This is what he says. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
So here it is, knowledge of him, one more time. But listen to what else Paul says. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power of God belongs to God and not to us. We're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but never forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Here's what's important. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. This is what he said. He said, the knowledge of God lives inside of us. And for the first time, I saw it, it says this week, it said, and we carry it in us in jars of clay, meaning multiple. Meaning that if I could give you a visual that there are multiple facets in your heart that carries what God has promised to us. Notice that it says it's a jar of clay, which means it's breakable, which means if you put enough pressure on it, it's gonna break and release the content that's inside. So where does that apply to us? God gave us everything for life and godliness. Now, as we walk out our faith, there comes times in our life that pressure goes on certain parts of our hearts, breaks our jars of clay, and then it releases what God has in us. We never have to pray, God, I want more of you. Our prayer instead is, God, release what you've already given to me. See, when we, when we see verses like this and we hear terms suffering for Christ, sometimes it's very easy to think of maybe a missionary who's gone overseas suffering for Christ. But all suffering for Christ is, is being willing to put up with the pressure that God allows into your life, knowing that it's his will to release what he's already given you. I go back to my, my personal life and I think about even the things of godliness. I talk about fruits of the spirit, kindness, gentleness, patience, forbearance, all those things. See, some of us, we're, all, we're naturally wired to where some of those fruits of the spirit are easy. I'm naturally, comes easy for me to be a kind person. My mom will tell you, as long as I've, as long as I've lived, I always had a tender heart toward people. I like to goof around, have fun, everything else, but it's always, I, that was something that was released in my life very early. If you ever meet my little girl, Madison, she don't have to work hard to be joyous. She loves people, loves to laugh and smile. You know what her first word was? Wasn't dad, wasn't mom, it wasn't whatever, I don't know, baba or milk or whatever, I don't know, what any of that. Her first word was happy. I'll walk in one day and literally, Kim goes, she's saying her first word. I'm like, what is it? Happy, 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 happy. And that's the theme of her life. Davis's first word was ball. So I don't know what that means for him. Who knows? 
But at the same time, going back to my life, there may be things I'm naturally dispositioned to. Oh, but there's things that God's released in my life. 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I was not a naturally patient person. I wasn't. I remember as a young leader putting on conferences and trying to lead people and everything else. And I, there, there came a threshold for Drew. I, I just, just stress, anxiety, and pay, it just all would flow into one. And I was not a very strong leader in that. But then God worked the circumstances in my life to where he created enough pressure to where that was broken in my life and patience is there. Let me tell you how he did it. I worked at Best Buy for six years. I was a services manager. I know you've told you this story, but as a services manager, I was the guy that got yelled at a lot. If somebody was upset with a home installation repair, computer didn't get fixed right. Somebody damaged a car while trying to install some uh, uh, sound equipment or whatever. And they said, I want to speak to your manager. I just got to get the call. I got yelled at all the time. People frustrated, mad. And Kim will tell you, when I first started, probably year one, I'd come home and just carry that stuff with me. I get worried about it and everything else. And I'm like, oh, you can't believe this customer that came in. But something happened over that six years. And God just began to add pressure to that jar of clay in my life. Pressure pressure and put me in more situations, put me in more situations where I had to respond, that I had to be calm. I learned to the point that if you were to see me now, it's one of my biggest strengths. Worked here for two years and I can only think of one time where I really got overwhelmed. Every other time, cool, calm, and collective, baby. But I wasn't born that way. That came because God loved me enough. He gave me the key to life and he released it by first adding pressure. Can I tell you what he's working on now? Joy in the journey. I'm a goofball. I love to laugh and everything else. I'm not a naturally joyous person. Especially I can get destination disease real bad. And slowly, God's teaching me just to have life and joy in the simple things. But he's doing it bad and pressure. Putting me in situations where I have to be that. So for you, here's the secret for you. Everything you need for life and godliness, if you are a Christ follower, was given to you at the moment you said, Jesus, I believe in you. But now you're spending the rest of your life, if you will have the faith to do it, allowing God to release what's already there. Some of your prayers need to change. Instead of saying, God, I want more, it needs to be, God, release what's already there. But that's a dangerous prayer because he'll do it. Some of you who are struggling with kindness that's not something that you deal with. You're not good at. You say that prayer, and some of the most frustrating and mean people will come, will start knocking on your door. It's, it's guaranteed. 
Don't pray, God, make me more kind. Unless you really want him to do it because it's, it, you're, you're going to be embarrassed at how, how many times stuff comes to you and you just aren't kind. And you go, ah, but he creates pressure. And then all of a sudden you'll look back over time and you'll go, yeah, I've grown. The key is, is that you walk closely with him and whatever he throws your way, you make it a point and say, God, I give it to you. Release what I already have. Teach me and I'll do it. Can we close this way? Can I get you to stand? Just as a response time, I'm gonna let you talk to God. I'm gonna let Ben play. And as he plays, I want you to talk to God about what needs to be released in your life. What parts of life are you lacking? Joy, love, peace? What parts of godliness are you lacking? Self-control? Don't pray that. Don't pray, God, help me with self-control because we all got to eat lunch after this. Because then you'll look at that, you'll look at that big old hamburger and you'll go, oh, self-control, my bad. <laughs> but I'm going to give you a moment. You just talk to God about what it is you want released in your life. It's there. You don't have to pray for it. But dialogue with God. I'm going to do the same thing. And then we'll close. Ben, would you lead us, please?
thank you for your peace right now. So, Father, as we just close today, God, um, you're going to do what your word says. It's just a matter of, of whether we're willing to submit. Father, God, I pray that people would leave today, God, and that they would be encouraged, um, that they would be able to look to you with a clearer view and vision. And, Father, God, I pray, Lord, that as we, as you orchestrate the circumstances in our life to be more like you, God, I just ask, God, that you would just... Uh, Pray you would take our jars of clay that house who you are. Just break them, God. Release what you've already given to us. And I just thank you. Give you each and every bit of the glory and credit. In your name, amen. You have a great day. Don't forget if you're staying for Meet the Staff Luncheon, we'll be upstairs.